This morning's scripture comes from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers, that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, and authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of God. Can you all hear me okay with this, Mike? Yeah. All right, awesome. Uh, before we begin, uh, I have a, kind of an urgent prayer request that I'd like for us to pray together with um, one of our members of our congregation, uh, Mallory, um, her husband Tim, their adorable daughter Fiona. Mallory's mom um, is on oxygen and life support right now, um, and the doctor said there's a 50% chance of survival. So she asked me to pray for us to pray this morning. And so when someone asks for that, you don't brush it off or say no, right? right. So um, can we just pray really quick right now for that? And yeah. just join me in prayer. I'll pray out loud and just join me in spirit and whatever is on your heart to pray for as well out loud. You can do so. Uh, God, we lift up uh, Tracy to you right now who is just really needs your healing power and your grace and your love and all that love her and her daughters right now. Will you please be with them and be with the doctors as they navigate uh, the best approach on how to, to navigate this condition and what's the best for Tracy's body and what to do at this point. And I pray that you are with um, her daughters and her other family members that are going through this really tough time pray that you are with them and that you fill them with your uh, compassion and love and that they have people that just surround them with um, love in this time and prayer. And we love her, God. Our church family is here for her. And, uh, we just pray that uh, Tracy is has a full recovery. We ask for this in your precious name. So, Paul, his prayer is a bit layered, isn't it? He wants to make sure the Ephesian church knows he has gratitude towards them, acknowledging that he has heard about their love for Jesus and their love towards the saints, 
while also making it very clear just because they have done great so far, that does not mean the work is at completion. And he's pretty smooth about it. So smooth it took me a while to even make this connection. But his prayer is sort of like someone being passive aggressive with their prayers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Good. <laughs> you know, it's like when I, when I pray, uh, God, I am thankful that my neighbors have these two little dogs that bring them joy and companionship. But I pray that they maybe find a home with a backyard so they're not barking and crying all the time in this little apartment. And maybe the dogs and me will just have happier lives that way. Amen. This prayer of Paul's is kind of like that. You're doing great. You can always do better. And of course he's saying this in the most encouraging way as possible. Their journey has only begun. So Paul prays for God to give them wisdom and revelation to help carry them through. And this is not some one-off moment of wisdom to look for up ahead, but to always seek wisdom on how to follow Jesus and how to love the saints better. Paul continues with his prayer and says, With the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you. And I feel like our world and our society has turned the word hope into something super complex when it's actually kind of simple. And I really like how Jan Richardson describes hope, how she understands it in her own life. Is she calls hope stubborn. She says that it lives like a muscle that keeps stretching and reaching, or a lung that keeps working even when we don't will it. Persistent with the constant intake and release of breath, which life depends on it. That's great imagery, right? Hope is what keeps us fighting that good fight. Hope is what keeps us continuing to do our small part and striving for a better world, even in all the pain and suffering that is happening in our world right now. Paul's prayers for the church is not to sit there passively waiting for a brighter future, but to be enlightened in the here and now. And how... Can we be open to receiving that wisdom and revelation? Being in true community with the saints, living with the saints, rubbing shoulders, being with one another. But who are the saints? That's a great question. I'm glad that you asked. In Paul's understanding of the title saint, it belongs to anyone who has been united with Christ. He calls the members of of this church saints. We see that in the beginning of this chapter, Ephesians 1.1, and the beginning of our text today, Ephesians 1.15. Because of who they are in Christ, not because of what they have accomplished. So all who have been united in Christ. So that's probably a good chunk of us here in this room. 
And I would even dare say, actually, it's everyone in this room. Because something has brought you here today, even if that baseline is just curiosity. You may feel that you are on a different faith path than the person next to you, and that's okay. Because we all have so much that unifies us together and unifies us with Christ. And that's not something to be taken lightly. So now that we have established who fits in this description of saints and how a lot more people are in it than we have realized, let's talk about how to love those saints. Now there's two types of love I want us to focus on. And I'm not referencing the, what you're thinking of the four types of love that people talk about in the Bible a lot. I am going to make it more simple. I'm just going to say the inner circle of love and the outer circle of love. So just stay with me. I'll, it'll make sense in a minute. So there is the love that you can have towards people that you don't really know super intimately. But it's easy for us to forget and to not see the impact of that since they're not a part of our inner circle. But if the goal is for all to be united in Christ, then we are all called to be a part of this work and kind of this cosmic reconciliation. But this calling is delicate and tough. In a while, a lot has changed from when Paul addressed this church in Ephesus, in many ways, the church and the current global church is facing a lot of similarities. Unity in the spirit is difficult to maintain, and the bond of peace can be too quickly broken. Table fellowship easily abandoned, and Paul knew that. And this is why his prayer was a thanks and Please seek wisdom, because this is not easy. It's too easy to put those blinders up, and it is hard to be in tune with Christ if we turn on our backs on our neighbors. On Friday night, I saw one of my favorite comedians live, Sammy Obeid, and he is second-generation Palestinian. And you could imagine how strange and complex it is for him to be a comedian on a big tour right now. And he has said in this time, the most basic thing we can all do is be kind to one another. To not spread more hate in this world. To stop propaganda and horrific generalizations about ethnic people groups. Amen to that, right? We can also pray for people that are going through a tough time. We don't have to know someone intimately to do that. And it doesn't really work or make sense thinking we can be divided or even indifferent towards the needs of those a part of that outer circle and then be besties later on in eternity. Paul's letter to the church is clear that it's no time like the present. And that's where the attention and the energy needs to be. Now I want to talk about that inner circle, saints. 
Now, when I'm referring to the inner circle, it's more broader than you're thinking. I know a lot of you introverts are saying, well, clearly you don't know what the inner circle means because that's just like three people. But for the sake of my sermon, we're going to expand this circle a little more. The people I'm including in this inner circle are your friends. The ones that you talk to weekly or the ones you maybe touch base with once a year. I'm talking about your coworkers, talking about the people in your community group. I'm talking about the people that you do life with in some capacity or another, whether you chose for them to be a part of your equation or not. It's probably not too difficult to love someone when their life and your life is going great. No drama happening, you both are getting along well, you have a lot of shared interest, so time is filled with laughter and joy. But being with someone going through the unimaginable, regardless of how much you love them, is really difficult. Regardless of your profession, how many classes you've taken, what your resume looks like, or how many difficult life experiences you've dealt with yourself, there is no simple trick. There's no script to make everything all better for that person, or even just that person being okay. As some of you know, I lost a dear friend in February. He was only 40 years old. He was a pastor. He had a wife and two children the ages of 8 and 10, and he died by suicide. And there's a core group of us pastors from all over the country who are good friends with him. And thankfully, we had each other. Since a lot of us didn't live near each other, we were very thankful for technology. We were constantly checking in with each other with text and phone calls and Zoom and Facebook Messenger. And while we were all sitting in our grief and our anger and our sadness of this great friend that we lost in our lives, we always came back to really hurting for his wife and kids. In June, we were all going to be together in Puerto Rico for our denominational biennial. And I was so happy to be with friends in person, to stay up late with them, to reminisce about the old times that we've had with our friend that we had lost and the friend that was supposed to be with us in Puerto Rico. And while we were excited to get to see this friend of ours who just lost her husband, I was also kind of freaking out about it. I was so afraid to do something or say something wrong, and I wanted nothing more than to just be the greatest friend I could be for her. But again, no amount of training or education can prepare someone for something like this, especially when it's so personal to you and to people that you love. I contemplated for weeks on how to be around her, and I was trying to strategize what type of person she needed me to be. I finally figured it out by sitting on the plane heading to Puerto Rico. And this was really profound for me, so in reality it was not my idea, it was the Spirit's idea. And I just sent her a simple text that said, 
How can I best love you? Now, to me, that feels different than saying, is there anything I can do for you? Or what do you need from me? Many times, we have felt sick or got a cold or something, and someone might shoot you a text and say, let me know if you need anything, or don't hesitate to reach out if you want me to fill in the blank. I'd say at least 90% of the time, we don't take them up on their offer because we feel some sort of guilt and we don't want to inconvenience anybody. But when you ask, how can I best love you? That shows you're committed. It's not a matter of, if you want my help or support, then let me know. It's, hey, I am in this with you and we're going to get through this together. Now, regardless of how eager or open you feel about showing your brothers and sisters and cousins, also known as saints, this kind of love and compassion, it's not easy, but every day God gives us an opportunity to try again. So do not afraid, be afraid to be holy. God calls us to be united with the saints. Not just for the later, but on earth as it is in heaven. Do not be afraid of asking someone, how can I best love you? In fact, normalize it. We are all parts of one body united in Christ. This is tough work and rewarding. So let's strive to love each other better and carry hope for one another in moments where it's too hard to carry for ourselves. Amen.